Hi, and thanks for downloading that B word. I'm your beautiful bipolar host, Becky. And I don't know how long uh, this episode's going to be, aside from the interview today, because I got some pretty bad news. A friend of mine, um, I just found out, passed away after having a um, massive stroke and having been on life support for some time. So I'm, well, I'm just really not into it right now. So far, I'm, I mean, I'm dealing, but it's been hard. Anyway, I feel like if it's true that these things come in threes and there's still something out there waiting, who knows what, uh, I shouldn't dwell. Anyway, so I sent the 23andMe thing in, and um, they haven't processed it yet, so I'm still waiting to hear back from that. But in the meantime, I've been taking a bunch of these little um, research tests that they have, and it's pretty interesting. They probably know more about me than anybody else at this point. Thanksgiving's coming up pretty soon, too. I'm doing something a little different this year, so my husband's family wanted everybody to come to their house. By everybody, I mean me, my parents, and him and his whole family and a few cousins. So me, my husband, my parents are all going to go there, and my other sister is flying in from Arizona and is going to have dinner with my sister who lives around here and her husband and his father. So our family is going to be split up for Thanksgiving dinner this year. And I don't think, I can't remember that ever happening before. So it's kind of a bummer, but I think we're going to get together either on Friday or Saturday. So we'll still have a celebration, but it's going to be a little bit different this year. And my husband's family doesn't do turkey. I know, it's weird. <laughs> they He's going to do lasagna and something else, but they don't do a turkey. And I'm a little bummed because I really like the turkey and the stuffing and all the traditional stuff. So I might have to make one on my own so I can have that. Anyway, that's enough about me. <laughs> enough of my life this time. Maybe I'll talk more about it on the next episode or maybe I'll write a blog about it. Um, so look out for that. Look out for a blog from me. Anyway, let's go into news and reviews. So in news and reviews today, um, I found something that looks like it was just released on the 14th, so this week. Um, there is a new a new version of Abilify coming out, and it has a little digital device inside of it that reports when it's been taken, when it comes into contact with stomach acids, and sends that information to a little wearable patch that and also um can be provided to like other people like a 
family or a doctor or something like that. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, it says that it's marketed as a Billify My Site, so it's only available as the uh, brand name. It's not available as a generic, but I think that's kind of a cool idea. It says the the sensor is the size of a grain of sand, and it's made by a Proteus Digital Health. And the stomach acids activate it, send the signal to the patch, and the patch logs like the date and the time and um, other like health information, and can send that to mobile device using Bluetooth. You're not going to lose track of your medicines, right? Because you're going to have that automatic log. I think it's a great idea, not just for antipsychotics and things like that, but things like diabetes medication. I mean, older people with diabetes can forget their meds too, and that could be kind of a lifesaver for them. Or even, you know, um, meds for dementia and things like that. I'm kind of excited to see where this goes, to see if this technology is going to be input in other medications and, and if we're going to see more of this going on. Um, there's a little bit of of a backlash, evidently, according to this particular article, and that's um, on Ars Technica. Uh, titled Experts Raise Eyebrows at a Digital Pill to Monitor Patients with Schizophrenia. And it's by Beth Mole. Came out on the 14th. And according to the article, some experts are wary of putting it in Abilify specifically because they think that since schizophrenics are already prone to distrust the system and, and feel like people are spying on them that this uh, kind of a big brother pill right is going to make that even worse which I guess is possible honestly I think that the benefits are going to outweigh weigh the negatives on that because if you're taking it then you're probably not going to have as much of that reaction as you would if you're not taking it right interested to see on where see where that goes that it just got approved by the the FDA I think on the 14th yeah no it was on Monday so that was on the 13th it was on the 13th that it that it was approved for for use so we'll see how that goes um I know there's a few according to this other article in the mighty there are some advocates out there who are excited about this as well because it's an improvement over monitoring, right? Especially if somebody's prone to forgetting to take their medications, which, I mean, guilty, right? <laughs> I'm not on Abilify, but there's in the mornings I can remember to take my evening pills pretty consistently, but it's in the mornings so I'm always forgetting it. I know it's not good, but. I've gotten a little better recently. In other news, I thought I'd talk a little bit about grief and diso- bipolar disorder, since that's sort of prescient for me right now, right? Um, I'm looking at an article 
by Jessica, and I'm not going to say this right, I think it's Jessica Jimeno, or maybe Jimeno, and it's entitled Six Tips Dealing with Grief When You Have This Bipolar Disorder. And the six tips that she suggests are one, scheduling an appointment with your therapist. I already have one set up for next Tuesday, so I think I'll just keep that one. So I suppose that's good. Two, share your feelings with a few close friends. So I've been trying to do that. (laughs) My husband's been great, actually. If our positions were reversed, I don't know that I'd be as understanding. Uh, The person, the person who has just died was um, my ex-boyfriend who we parted, you know, amicably and as friends. So there's no hard feelings there, but still, you know, I don't know if I'd be understanding if he was as upset about an ex-girlfriend dying, which is horrible to say, but... I don't know if it's the truth. I don't know if I, how I deal with it. Uh, but he's been really great and really understanding. Uh, number three, find an outlet to express your feelings. Hello, outlet. My name's Becky. How are you doing today? Number four, exercise and eat healthy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Five, say no to new commitments. I like this one. I can really get behind it. And number six, keep a mood chart. That's not something I've ever been super successful at doing. It seems like I'm I'm always able to log when I'm feeling badly (laughs) and not able to log or not remembering to log or don't know I should log, you know, when I'm up. So she actually gives a couple of tips on remembering or making mood charts work. Um, And the three tips that she identifies are to look for patterns. Um, I guess that assumes that you're charting and keeping up with it, right? Identifying triggers and creating an action plan and to share your triggers with people. That None of that really helps with remembering, right? But I think number three is kind of dicey, kind of hard. I mean, if you have trust issues already, right? You're going to have trouble sharing your triggers with people. I mean, and obviously they're not talking about everybody in the world, but, but people who are close to you. And, but, but even so, it's hard to get past the thought that people will use that information to hurt you or could. Don't listen to me. I'm a super bummer today. All right. Well, um, without any further downers from me, <laughs> so, Uh, Without any further ado, let's get into our interview. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a pretty good interview. We talked for a while. So here is my interview with Elle. All right, cool. Well, thanks for calling. Do you want to, do you want to share some of your story and we can go from there? Uh, Whatever you want to share is fine. No, I had a, like, a normal upbringing. I had really good parents. Um, you know, as far back as I can remember, I was uh, like an overly emotional kid. Mm-hmm. I came from North Jersey, you know. Um, my parents were pretty much like really good parents. My mom um, kept my sister and I, she wanted us to be in a bubble, you know, like she didn't want us to be exposed, you know, to certain things. I came from like an Italian Catholic mm-hmm. upbringing, I went to Catholic school. Um, my both 
parents had hard lives and they wanted the best for my sister and I. Um, I was pretty smart in school, but like socially I was never really accepted. I was overly emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, social anxiety from like maybe 12 years old. Um, I was bullied a lot in school for about 10 years of my life, starting from the age of 12 to like sophomore year in high school. Mm-hmm. Never told my parents. The kid, I was different from the kids in my school. Like, you know, I was always like, um, the kids I went to school with, like, or like the kids of like um, lawyers and doctors and you know, yeah. the kids that were, like, you know, middle, working class, we were more shoved, like, to the, we were kind of like the outcasts, but it's funny because I lived in the same development as they did, but huh. they pretty much, their parents hung out together, and they hung out together, and I hung out with, like, the working class kids, and we were the ones that were made fun of, but, you know, I was made fun of because, like, I had a I was in Italian, I had a big nose, I had an accent, um, they said I was ugly, and, um, oh. I was always smart, though, you know, I wasn't athletic, um, I was super sensitive, but, um, academically, I was, like, right up there with them, Yeah. but, um, I never really, um, pushed myself, because I always thought I was, like, a piece of garbage, and I believed, you know, after being bullied for 10 years, like, in the middle of it, I started to believe what they said, because basically I was made fun of, and I'm not kidding, like, every single day at school, and my life could have been a lot worse, I could have had parents that didn't care about me, I could have had cancer, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, like, what was me, but, like, after a while, you start believing what they say, and it, it kind of causes like, kind of, like, post-traumatic stress when you get, you know, older. Like, yeah. you think back and and you think you're, like, a monster. Um, it stopped because when I was about 16 years old, I, I had friends that worked in a pizzeria, and I started dating, like, uh, I kid you not, like, the, the captain on the football team at the local public high school, and he came <laughs> like the mass like the Christmas mass and was like leave her alone and they knew who he was and he was like oh my god he's going out with her and I'm done and one of my friends was going out with um she was on like this dance squad and she was going out with like a football player and like it, it stopped that because I started growing into myself and stuff and they started leaving me alone and um, soon people were saying, like, you know, basically, like, oh, you're good looking. And other people would be like, no, she's not. She's disgusting. Don't talk to her. Mm. And um, so I just never talked to anybody. You know, I talked to a few people, and that was basically it. And I made my friends outside of school. Yeah. And um, so I made friends in public school. So I graduated high school, and... Um, I had an anxiety problem. I had, like, flashbacks of being made fun of every day. But I went on with my life, and um, 
I met kids from public school, and um, I had uh, depression and anxiety, and uh, I had a boyfriend, and he was not the best. He was like, you know, doing his own thing, and I was holding on to him because I thought that he was the best that I could get. Mm-hmm. And um, that in itself caused a lot of, like, I was like, girl interrupted, you know? Yeah. It was bad on both ends. Like, I could have done a lot more with my life, but I was holding on to him. He was cheating on me. I was dealing with all the, you know, with all the bull crap. And within that, like, I'm all over the place right now, I always had emotions that were like, I was like a rapid cycler, and yeah. I didn't even realize it. Like, I would have emotions that were, like, depressed, like a baseline of, like, depression, and then I would be up and down in the same day. Like, I'd be, like, happy, sad, happy, sad, happy, sad, and yeah. then within that, I wanted to go out and, like, like a maniac, you know what I mean? Like, and forget about everything. Mm-hmm. And my parents really didn't realize it. They just thought that, you know, I'd be fine. And I was just, like, just following my friends. They didn't think anything was really wrong with me. And then I had a lot of trauma in my life. Because I was hanging around with the wrong people. I got into, like, the party club scene when I was about, um, like, 19 years old. And, um. That really didn't help me because I, you know, whacked out the serotonin in my brain. And um, for two years, I was partying like a maniac. Like, not that bad, but, you know, I was doing a lot of um, things I shouldn't have been doing because I wanted to be accepted for the first time in my life. You know, people were telling me that I was pretty and I was, like, you know, part of a group. And, um, and all that pain that I felt when I was younger was going away. I didn't feel like the ugly, duckling monster anymore. I felt like I was accepted and I was running towards that. Right. And then my parents found the flyer one day that, uh, <laughs> from the city. And, um, they're like, oh, you're going to the city at 3 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, you're doing this, this, and that. And they had a big fit, and um, I was fighting with them, and uh, it eventually led to me getting kicked out of my house. Oh, jeez. And, um, because they believe in tough love, they're from North Jersey, and they're like, you know, you're getting used, you're going to wind up getting cut up in a box. And I was like, finally, like, I was getting to live my teenage years at 23 years old, and I eventually stopped. I always worked, but I was blacked out. Because I, I was like, little did I know, I was borderline personality and emotionally all over the place to begin with, and I was partying on top of it, and I, could, I was all over the place. Yeah. And um, it made it worse. So I got used, abused, spit out, but, you know, I was, I was fine because people were, quote, accepting me. And I was, you know, promiscuous, um, letting people use me friends-wise, um, you know, just get punched in the face by life lessons. Mm-hmm. And then I, I um, got thrown out of my house, and um, 
eventually I settled down and I, I went back home and um, I went back to school and um, I don't even want to tell you what career I got, but uh, I settled down and um, I became a professional and um, I did that for about nine years mm-hmm. and um, I tried my best to do it. You know, I, I, I stopped, you know, I smartened up and um, somebody found out that I was a wild child and they basically abused me in my career, tried to destroy me. Oh, man. And yeah, it was bad. They told everybody I was a bad person because they knew my next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, I was totally a different person at this point. Right. Um, they told everybody that I shouldn't be doing this particular job, that um, I was basically a piece of garbage, and I they were breathing down my neck at work. I was 29 years old. I totally changed my life. Um, they were setting me up at work. Nobody would talk to me. And um, this lasted for seven months. And I slipped out at work one day. And I said, you know, I got treated better in the restaurant, which I did. And then um, they uh, they found out, you know, I left this job. They were going to fire this person. They told me I needed to be more assertive. Why I was extremely scared because this was like a very high-pressure job. And I was mortified, and um, I went to work in a restaurant, and this person's cousin was working in there, and he went up to the wrong girl, and he said, oh, my aunt said that you you should work in here where you belong, and you're basically a piece of garbage. And I called the cops, and they came into the restaurant, and uh, it stopped. Yeah. So I went to work in another place. That was a very nice place, and she found out I was working there. <laughs> and I had to tell the um, administrator at this place what happened, and that mortified me, caused another trauma, and it stopped. And I worked there, but every time I had a job, I only I couldn't stay more than two years, and it was a history of this because I would have anxiety attacks. Mm-hmm. paranoia and interpersonal problems with people that I worked with because I cared too much about what they thought of me right. and then I would have arguments and freak out you know because I was so overly sensitive instead of not caring what they thought I would get into arguments with them because I was too sensitive and I couldn't handle the field that I was in so finally um, it came to a head and I pretty much argued my way out of my profession. Mm. I had a major um, nervous breakdown because I was on the wrong medications, and I went full-fledged manic mm-hmm. because I was on Klonopin right, okay. for NSXOR for about like five years, but it was a slow taper up from like Xanax to Klonopin, and I went from Lexapro to Effexor, and my mother kept telling me, you're on the wrong meds, and I was like, no, no, I'm not, I was getting prescribed by my general practitioner, and I wasn't abusing the, um, the benzos, but it changed my personality, it was like alcohol, to where 
where if somebody started with me, I didn't look at the long-term consequences. I was yelling at them right back. Right. And I, yell, I argued myself right out of my profession. And the effects were, because I didn't know I was bipolar one, I don't know if it was bad-induced or whatever, it made me manic. Like, um, at the end of it, I was hallucinating for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a complete nervous breakdown. I had to be hospitalized. They strapped me down. They shot me up with Geodon. Oh, jeez. It was very bad. Um, I also, prior to that, um, I wanted to lose 20 pounds. So I was on Dentramine. <laughs> mm. And uh, I was on that for about six months. And um, that, that made me nasty. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I'm sorry, go ahead. It, no, I was just saying that, yeah, that doesn't sound like a very good cocktail to be on. No, and then it, it was like I was on Effexor, Fetamine, and Xanax with no mood stabilizer. Right. my general practitioner was prescribing this. And then I got off the Fetamine and I went on Adderall. Okay. And I got skinny. And I lost my freaking mind. And um, when I I went up to, uh, I started, uh, I got down to 130 pounds. I was really thin, but, um, you know, I was in my late 30s. Like, I was about 38 years old. And um, I had no mood stabilizer with that. And I, it was like I was um, up and down and up and down and up and down. But mm-hmm. I was skinny, and I looked good because I could tie my belt all the way to the third boot. <laughs> and um, I had a complete breakdown because I lost my job. And I knew that, you know, that was pretty much it for me. And um, I started isolating. And um, I lost all my friends. And uh, I tried getting off the quarantine by myself. Mm. And um, I became, like, super-duper spiritual. And I knew that I was becoming manic, but I didn't realize how bad it was because I had a friend who was bipolar one. And I was literally like, I was like into like, I was like, I was always like, um, I liked Halloween and, you know, I had some friends that were wicked because in the field I was in, there was a lot of like witches and stuff and in the field I was with, there were quite a few. And I was reading about like different types of like Celtic traditions and I was literally seeing, like, crows in my mirror, and oh. it was pretty bad. And, like, if you look in the, like, on my floor, like, my tile, I was seeing stuff. Yeah. And I never mentioned, mentioned it to anyone, and I just let it go, and let it go, and let it go, until I was totally out of control. And I went to a detox facility where they ripped me off of my effectsor. They just stopped giving it to me. Mm. And they detoxed me off of two and a half milligrams of Klonopin in three days. Oh, wow. They found out that I was pregnant, and the doctor told me that he put a stomp on all meds. That doesn't sound like it would be healthy for a baby. Um, no. And, um, all they did was load me up on Haldol, and I lost my mind because um, 
how can you stop somebody off of all those meds that they've been on for five years? Right. So I, um, I was in psychosis to begin with, and I was extremely agitated, and I was in full-blown psychosis after they, um, they ripped me off of all my meds. I had to get a medical abortion because they kicked me out of the facility within three weeks, unstable, and nobody would touch me unless I had medical abortion. Oh my gosh. It wouldn't stabilize me. And after that, I slid into complete psychosis. I was having, having auditory and visual hallucinations, and um, I was having rapid cycling moves to the point of where I was laughing and crying like, in the same breath. Mm-hmm. This has never happened to me before. Uh, I was readmitted to the hospital. They strapped me down. They shot me up with Geodon. They, um... I was uh, admitted to a really good place in New Jersey. It's an awesome facility. They are stabilized within three days. Um, they put me on a really good cocktail of meds. I was put on the mountain, um, a low dose of Seroquel, mm-hmm. and um, this girl, and the doctor was amazing. They treated me with respect. They stabilized me, and within seven days, I was discharged. Um, I was wrecked. Like, I had a complete psychotic break. I came home. And I was having mental, like, protracted mental withdrawals. Mm-hmm. And I looked in the mirror, and um, I couldn't believe, like, what was left of me. Like, it was, I couldn't believe it was me. Um, I was diagnosed as having bipolar 1, major depressive disorder, borderline personality disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, the post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. which I later found out a lot of people have that, but I never knew that. And looking back all these years, like, I, the, all the symptoms of borderline personality disorder, because I, I had so much self-inflicted trauma from, like, I'm definitely a borderline, but I had borderline features. I was never a, a, a low-functioning, non-functioning borderline. Mm-hmm. Like, these, the meds that I was on, put me into a full-fledged borderline, like, it, it incapacitated me. I am um, currently, like, I don't drive, I can't work, and I, I'm 40 years old, and I have no life. I sit home, and I read, and I watch YouTube, and I've been working since I've been 15 years old, and, like, I've just been rehospitalized because... October is a really bad month for me, and mm-hmm. I started having recent thoughts. Like, I, I was going, like, almost uh, hypomanic, so I had to be, uh, like, re-hospitalized, but I went voluntarily. I, I asked the friend to drive, and they had to put me on 200 milligrams of Seroquel, and they added a few more meds to my, um, my cocktail, and they stabilized me. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much my story. If I knew I was bipolar and borderline my whole life, I think my life would have been a lot different. Yeah. It sounds it's it like sounds like it. Life half lived. Yeah. It's it it's crazy how much like you're you're telling me this and I'm like, Yeah, same, 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 same. Um 
and I just really wanted to thank you because I was listening to your interview with, um, I forgot his name, it was like a Hispanic man, he said that, um, you know, like when he first got stabilized, he had to go through a few hospitalizations and then he got like really stable. Mm-hmm. And um, when I wrote my reply to you, I looked at my reply and it was so all over the place and out there. I'm like, yeah, I need to go back to the hospital. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to say thank you to both you and him because like, I was like, oh, there's other people out there that have to go to the hospital more than one time. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that I think that's Jay Chirino is the second episode that I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's tons of people who are hospitalized several times before they actually end up getting completely stable. I go to 12-step meetings now, not because, like, I was like, an alcoholic or anything like that at this time, but because I did become dependent on the Kalanitan, and I just needed a support group, because mental illness, I know I'm beating a dead horse, is so isolating, Oh yeah. that I just wanted to help my recovery, because, like, I know in these rooms, you know, you would train your brain not to think like an addict, and there are other people there who also suffer from mental illness because in a way they go hand in hand. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, drug use goes hand in hand with like untreated or undiagnosed mental illness. Have you ever tried to do um, like DBSA meetings or anything like that? That's the, the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. They have... No, I don't know what that is. I have to look that up because I would would definitely do that. They have meetings in... um, Well, they have real-life meetings, and then they have online meetings, too. And I go to the online ones um, several times, a couple times a week, anyway. And they really help. Yeah, I would definitely do that. The isolation is, like, a big thing for me. I mean, um, when I was manic, I was, like arguing with people on Facebook and and they were being like so like I I mean I was no angel but like the stuff that they like the stuff that I embarrassed my embarrassing things that I did like I can't even tell you I Mm -hmm. ruined myself like I charged up my Amazon card like the stuff I said, like, I'm, like, embarrassed to walk out of my house. Like, I was that manic. And, I'm like, I felt like a rock star, but, like, I, I got tattoos. Like, I never had tattoos in my life. Like, I had the most ridiculous tattoo on my arm. I would never have done that. I had this big tattoo on my back. Like, and I look at it every day, and I'm like, what was I thinking? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's nothing that you can take back. And yeah. Definitely not tattoos. We got those forever. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What? Oh, I was just saying, yeah, you can't take back a tattoo. That's for sure. I have no. several of those that I probably would not have gotten if I was properly medicated. <laughs> properly medicated. Yeah, right? Yeah, actually, I have two that are two on my wrists. And... um. I got those, like, when I stopped taking my medicines because I thought I was all better one time. And then I went out and tattooed my wrists. 
see a therapist or anything like that? Maybe because I'm 40, but 
taken a long time. Yeah, well, it takes a long time to recover from something like that. Because that's, I mean, I'm really sorry that happened to you. That sounds awful. It's kind of... I've heard it takes over a year. I, I don't know, but... Yeah. I don't drink, I don't smoke, like... And it's still, like, really hard, like, um, pushing... I, I can imagine if I had to work, I wouldn't be able to do it. So I'm very grateful that, you know... My husband helps me, but it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I have, and I said this in one of my meetings, like, I have a room full of clothes and makeup. I don't sit in my clothes, and I don't want to wear my makeup. It's like a life lost. But, you know what, I guess I'm lucky to be alive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can always get more clothes, right? Yeah, I can always get more clothes. And I've been researching the Seroquel, and they say that like it changes your metabolic rate. Yeah. But I'm like, what do I want to be? Crazy and skinny and killing myself? Or, like, fat and sane? Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I, I'm taking the Seroquel and... I'm trying to, you know, trying to not gain any weight, but I don't think I'm succeeding. <laughs> and I, I talked to my psychiatrist about that. I'm like, this, this is packing weight on me. And she's like, oh, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. It's like 200 milligrams has already put 10 pounds on me. And she's like, no, it's not. I said, yeah, it is. Everybody's different. And she's like, you have to watch what you eat. I said, yes, that's true. And I, I should go to exercise. I said, but it's putting weight on the places where it's like metabolic syndrome. And she just looked at me like, I'm crazy. <laughs> I don't understand that. I mean, everybody, it's a known thing that um, that makes you gain weight. What? I said, that's a known thing that that makes you gain weight. I don't understand why she wouldn't, you know, understand that. <laughs> a doctor, but I disagree with that, too. <laughs> so I asked her about the Abilify, and she's like, oh, that's worse. Oh. So I guess they're all bad. I've heard that Geodon doesn't really do it as much. What? I've heard that Geodon doesn't necessarily make you gain weight as much as some of the other ones do. Well, I researched that, and it has other, like, extra extra pyramidal side effects that are, that are like, bad... I don't know. Oh. Well. It depends how you metabolize it, I guess. You know, but going through all this, you know, I understand why people spit out their meds, but at the same time, like, it's so dangerous to do that, and, um, I really feel bad for people who have been, who are born with mental illness, because it's so stigmatizing. It's not cool. Like, people think mental illness, some people do, is cool, or that you get special treatment. You don't. People think you're, like, a monster. Yeah. And when you go into even a very good place, 
they talk to you. This is what bothers me the most, is they talk to you like you are stupid. Some people, not everybody. Yeah, just because our chemicals in our brain are messed up, and yes, you know, psych meds dull us out, most people who are bipolar, schizoaffective, you know, even schizophrenic, they're intelligent people, you know, it doesn't mean that you're dumb. No, definitely not. Really. Yeah. And um, I wish that there were more decent places for people to go to get their tune-ups and, like, to, to make friends because, um, you know, it, it really, it would help a lot when people go through things in their lives. Yeah. Job, like, you know, I'm thinking for the future, like, even though I, I can no longer work in, you know, the profession that I studied for, you know, if I ever am able to work again, like, do I put down that I have a disability? Because I'm like, I'm probably not going to be able to get that job. Or don't I? You know, like, it. there's a stigma attached to that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And Like, what do you do? I mean, they have the ADA and stuff like that, but I think that only helps after you have the job. So, if, you know, if they find out first, they can not hire yeah. you for any number of reasons. Supposedly they get paid for... Um, certain amount for people that have disabilities but does a manager really want to deal with that like what happens if they're thinking like if that person doesn't take their meds or not do they do they want to deal with that you know i don't know yeah so you said you're married i'm married yeah my husband's working two jobs right now to like pull the weight and like that's how mental illness or any illness affects so many people yeah. I met um I met a woman when I was, you know, in the hospital whose sister was bipolar and she became a full blown schizophrenic from being on Geodon. That induced schizophrenia. Really? Yeah. I'd... And um one of the counselors told me and I totally believe this, they only know like they only know eight percent of the human mind. That's it. Mm-hmm. And um, she told me that when her sister was on Don't, she, like, flipped. It flipped her mind. Wow. That's scary. It is scary. Yeah, because, I mean, that happens with Don for her. Who knows? And it could be anything for somebody else. It could be anything. Like, um, and I, you know, I, I'm, like, a glutton for punishment. I have loved everything about borderline personality disorder up on YouTube. I don't know specifically who you're talking about, but I've stumbled upon many subreddits where, like, you just want to, like, crawl into a hole and die after you read it because so many people have so much hate out for you. And, you know, like, I was listening to one of your um, your episodes and, you know, you had a problem with, like, I guess, like, anger or whatever, and so have I. Right. And um, that's one of the reasons why I went back in because I was getting agitated and um i'm like like i was yelling at my husband a lot 
And I'm like, this is not good. And I didn't know that agitation was a sign of mania. Mm-hmm. And um, this guy on YouTube was like, borderlines are psychopathic, evil witches, and they will destroy your lives and the lives of anybody else that, like, they're around. And they have no conscience, and their brains are wired differently. And I was just like, are you, like, kidding me? Like, it's like... And I asked my counselor, I'm like, am I a psychopath? And she's like, I can't tell you that. Do you think you're a psychopath? What? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, she did. This is my psychologist. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, And I was never neurotic like this before until I got this diagnosis. Because I knew about this diagnosis from like my schooling. And I, I said, I don't know. Because when uh, the psychiatrist gave me this diagnosis, I'm like, please, no. And uh, he's like, it's just a stress response. I'm like, no, it's a death sentence. And uh, she goes, I don't know, Lauren, do you think you're a psychopath? And I'm like, uh, yes, because I have this diagnosis. I'm like, I didn't think I was one before because I have empathy for people. Mm-hmm. And um, she goes, uh, I can't tell you that right now because I don't know. And I said, well, they say borderlines are psychopaths. And um, you know what? Borderlines have empathy. And, uh, we feel everything. It's the exact opposite of being a psychopath. <laughs> and the reason why we engage, or I, maybe I should say I have engaged in such self-destructive behavior in my life is because I felt everything to the extreme and I was extremely impulsive. And um, I had empathy for people. I cry. I never hurt anybody. Like, yes, I hurt people because I was self-centered and I engaged in immature, impulsive behavior, but I wasn't hurting, physically hurting people. And um, I I just, I couldn't believe the stuff this guy was saying. And it's not only him, it's a lot of people. So then I I stumbled upon Marshall Linehan's dialectical behavioral therapy, which, like, I agree with. You know, but, like, at the same time, it's extremely difficult. And the earlier you start it, they say it's it's um, more, um, it works better. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, <laughs> 39 years old, like, besides radical acceptance, like, really, what is that going to do for me when I'm going to counseling this week? You know what I'm saying? Like, I could... You know, I could use some pointers, like stopping, letting other people, letting other people talk, um, you know, seeing other people's point of view, remembering everything I learned in kindergarten and, you know, like, I don't know. I hate, I hate that diagnosis. I think it sucks. Yeah, it does. One of those that kind of just hangs over you a little bit. I had an old therapist who um, refused to really tell me that that was my diagnosis because he didn't want me to, you know, kind of have that mindset of this is my diagnosis and and that makes me this kind of person. You know what I mean? And I also think he didn't want me to uh, use it as an excuse to behave poorly. (laughs) But but yeah, it sucks. It makes you want to, like, seriously off yourself. And um, not that I would, but, like, it, it does. Like, it makes you want to cr- 
call in the hole that it came, like that I came out of. Because at this point, I don't even want to go out of my house. And everything that I ever associated myself with, that I did good in my life, or, you know, that my parents raised me to be, I have to second guess now. You know, sometimes I second guess that, or that's all gone now, because, you know, I'm this considered by society to be, like, this mutant. And um, my mother says I'm overthinking this, and who cares what a diagnosis is? And my therapist said the same thing, but when push comes to shove and you're hospitalized, if you're dealing with the wrong person and they say, see borderline, the eyes start to roll and it's like, like, it's automatically drug addict, like, hard to deal with, Mm -hmm. overreactor, nobody wants, I don't know what it is. And when I was in the hospital, everybody was borderline. Everybody was bipolar. I don't know if this is a trend or whatever, but I think everybody that was traumatized is a borderline. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that that's a big part of it. Getting the diagnosis. So not only were you traumatized and you have a messed up stress response, but you have a double-edged sword of being um, a demon now because you were traumatized. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's... And I think people are predisposed to being borderline, like, because you have an emotion, very emotional person, and my parents did not do anything wrong to make me borderline. I think I was an emotional person to begin with. I chose the wrong person to be with. I didn't listen to my parents about how this person was. And then I preconditioned myself to keep going out with the same people over and over again because I had low self-esteem. I think that's what happened to me. Yeah. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. you know, so for all, all the borderlines out there that are listening to this, like, you know, you're not a piece of garbage. Like, everybody has good parents. Some people have good parents, and you know what? People took care of you, and I don't know. It's just sad. Yeah, it's a hard one to deal with, for sure. I think they need to get rid of that diagnosis. What good is it doing? I know. I've heard that they wanted to, like, rename it and call it, like, emotionally unstable disorder or something like that. Like, well, that that's also pretty crappy, but at least it's not doesn't have the same stigma, you know? You know what, though? Even if they said it's emotionally unstable, it's going to be like, this person's emotionally unstable, a.k.a. borderline, between the borderline of psychopathy and neurosis. Hmm. <laughs> they just need to get rid of it and figure out a diagnosis. Maybe bipolar type three. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that sounds good to me. I think your um, I really think your podcast is great. I think it's like really refreshing. Oh, and, thank um, you. You're welcome. <laughs> and I was listening to it one night, and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Has everybody is different, and um, your categories are really good on it. Awesome. Well. I appreciate you calling in and and listening and everything and it's it's really scary how similar our stories are actually. <laughs> yeah, 
I feel kind of like I'm talking to myself, so I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, like there's a lot of similarities, and um, you know that's how you know you helped me a lot by letting me speak, and hopefully, like my story will help you and maybe help people out there that are listening to show that you know there are other people like us out there, and you know, yeah, push through it refreshing to hear that you're working and stuff and having a productive life so far so good (laughs) fingers crossed anyway well thank you very much okay thank you all right take care you too have a good night you too bye-bye bye all right thank you l for being on the podcast i really appreciate it I appreciate everybody who listens and gives feedback and emails me. It really means a lot to me, and uh, I really appreciate it. And I'd also like to thank everybody who's left a rating on iTunes. Yeah, just thanks so much. It really helps um, people find me. And if you still want to get in on the t-shirt promotion, you can still do that. Um, Just take a screenshot or a picture of the review you left and email it to me at that B word at stonefruitmedia.net. That's stone like a rock, fruit like a plum, media like social media.net. That was probably more information that than really was necessary, but hey, there you go. And everybody keep sending in those uh, emails keep rating reviewing and subscribing and um i'll keep putting the podcast out you can find me on twitter at that b word one that's the numeral one you can find me on facebook at that b word pod i also have a pinterest uh you can check me out there i think you can find me on my with my email that b word at stonefruitmedia.net uh, you can also reach me via form on my website, and that's at thatbword.stonefruitmedia.net. It's a subdomain, so don't get too confused. No www. Oh, and don't forget to check out, um, if you're into science fiction and fantasy, check out that sci-fi fantasy book club. Uh, I do that with my husband and our friend Caitlin, and it's a lot of fun. So if you're interested in that, check it out. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and I'm going to try to be more upbeat next time, I promise. All right, thanks for everything. You guys have a good weekend. Bye.